guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Not so fast. It's a Mackie and Judd production, but it's time for Talking Twins. Zolgad, Jake DePew. As always, executive producing, because he does for every single Score North show, is Declan Goff. Jake DePew, since we last uh, spoke a week ago, the Twins have gone 4-4. Four and four. They won uh, 2 of 3 in Cleveland over the weekend. What is your takeaway? Miguel Snow has gotten hot for him. What is your takeaway from the events of the past seven days? Um, my takeaway is that it's, a, I guess, a nice little stretch that they're on. Uh, but they have to go on a major winning streak. And I'm talking, you know, win 10 in a row, win 12 of 14, 16 of 20, something like that. They need to go on that type of run very soon uh, if they want to have any chance of not being sellers. I, I don't really see that happening because of the bullpen. I think it's hard to go on that type of run when you don't have a lockdown bullpen, and they certainly do not have that. Um, but, you know, it was a nice little road trip, I guess, going three and two in Anaheim and Cleveland. But again, that they, they've dug themselves such a huge hole that that's not good enough. And it's weird to say it's not good enough when you have a winning road trip, but this is where they are right now. Like, you know, and we we already hear, we're hearing Falvey and Levine sort of hint at selling already. Um, And so, you know, that tells you pretty much where internally, I think that they probably assess the, you know, where they're at. So, uh, you know, they have the next 13 against Baltimore and Kansas city. So this is, this was the last time time we said that, Oh, look, they got Texas and they're going to, it didn't work out so well. Yeah. I mean, I personally think the competitive portion of the season is over. Um, but, you know, if they were going to go on any sort of run, this would be the time to do it. But again, I mean, they still have the, I think they're tied for the worst record in baseball now with Baltimore. Um, so, like, as, as nice as that, you know, series win over Cleveland was, and it was good to see, uh, you know, them finally win in extra innings, I guess, it just, it doesn't mean a whole lot right now unless they carry this over for like, you know, a, a month or more of playing really, really good baseball. Glass half full. They won two or three against an AL Central rival in Cleveland. Man, okay, here we go. Glass half empty, Zolgadian. Hansel Robles couldn't even lock down the save on Sunday. And and look, you went to extras. Glory be, you won. You're now one and eight in that format. Um, but here's my question for you, bullpen wise. Who do you trust now? Like Taylor Rogers, I think I do, but he's like the eighth. He's he's like the guy that comes in now in the eighth. But you know, Colome has blown up. Robles to me is not reliable. Um, Duffy, who who ended the game on Sunday, has certainly had his struggles. His velocity, we've talked about that a lot, is not there. Um, going back what now, Jake? About five years. Like you have needed closer type arms like three of them to be ultimately successful. When I look at this bullpen now, my trust tree is almost bereft of branches. Like aside from Taylor, I don't, yes. I, I, I just, I mean, I, there's nothing they do where I think to myself, oh, I'm glad to see Caleb Teobar or here comes Duffy, which to me is a major problem. And that's the red flag about Sunday's game is you couldn't lock it down when you should have. 
Yeah, and we were texting during that game, and I sent you a text, something, you know, along the lines of, you know, is Hansel Robles really who you want here to try to lock down this ninth? Um, and you had a perfect retort, which is, who, who else is there? You know, I mean, they'd already pitched Taylor Rogers. I guess you could go um, two innings with him, although he had pitched the day before as well. But there's just, there's, they don't have any other options. And, uh, you know, so you, you can't put this on Rocco. This is completely on the front office. Uh, there's just nobody out there besides Taylor Rogers who's really uh, pitching well. Um, Robles, is, he's had some good outings and he's had a lot of high wire acts uh, and, and blown a few games like yesterday's game, uh, even though they ended up winning in the 10th. Um, and again, Duffy, you know, his velo is just down, you know, and if he doesn't get back up into that 95, 96 range, it's hard to see him being what he was in 2019 and 2020, which is too bad because I like Duffy. Uh, he certainly put in the work. He's talked a lot about using some of the, the tools that they've the front office has given him to, to get better. Uh, but the bottom line is the, the production just hasn't really been there this year. So uh, my trust tree is Taylor Rogers and, and that's it, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, know. I, I mean, I mean, really, I mean, I, I I, it, it sucks to say that, but like who else do you really feel comfortable, um, you know, when they're in the game, I think I'll call Alco has a lot of potential, but um, I, he's not there yet, you know, uh, and he still has control issues. And, um, they don't have a lot of options. We talked about this last week. They don't have a lot of options in the minors. There isn't some huge arm waiting in the wings to call up and, and you know, fill in, in in the eighth inning or whatever. So this is just kind of what who they're stuck with unless they make a trade, you know. And I think the next couple of weeks will actually tell us a lot about how they view the team and their chances. If they make a trade for a reliever, it suggests the front office thinks there's still some chance of them coming back and getting into it. If they don't and just keep trotting these guys out, and getting the same results, then that pretty much tells you that the front office thinks that that this season is is basically done. You know, because it's, it's hard to see. I mean, sure, some of these guys could could you know improve to some extent, but it's hard to see them really being competitive and making any sort of playoff run. And that's ridiculous to talk about when they're seventeen and twenty nine. But it's hard to see that happening with this core group of relievers. Um, so if the front office wants to fix their own mistake, they should make a trade. But I doubt they'll do that because I think they probably think they're they're buried in the standings. Speaking of trades. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Trade talk. Juicy rumors. Yep, we're going there. I like it. We're going there because Talking Twins is tired about talking about problems for this club. We are now, DePew and I are now the masters of solutions for this ball club. We are going to start with the burly first baseman. Dare I say third baseman still? Miguel Sano has entered the traditional hot streak, which is not surprising. In, in fact, Phil, uh, I think in April, as Sano was awful, unplayably bad, Phil said, this is coming. Just wait. Just wait. Um, but let's put the pieces of the puzzle together. Miguel Sano has gotten hot. Not surprising. But it's impressive when, when he does. I mean, he can crush mm-hmm. the baseball. Um, I, I especially like when he's able to go opposite field or uh, to dead center with home runs, not pull the ball. That's impressive. I found it very interesting yesterday in Cleveland, Jake DePew, and I I know it's because they're short on guys as well, but he did play third base. He played some third base, and um, you know what? Didn't look awful. I'm not saying I want him there, but he showed an ability to play third base, which if I'm a club that needs some power, I might be very intrigued by a guy that can play first and third, as well as potentially DH. Your thoughts on if this can, and it's going to have to keep up for 
a while. I'm not saying it's doable right now. But if Miguel Sano can stay in this groove for a while, he's still going to strike out a lot, but he's going to hit some home runs. Um, Not waiting until late July, but instead being uber-aggressive and trying to find teams that need power and getting them Miguel Sano. And what do you need back as well is the question. Yeah, so I I just think, I mean, these teams can look at his skill set the same way that that we can. You know, I mean, they they know what he is, uh, and they look at the contract and see that, you know, he's still owed, uh, you know, whatever prorated 10 million is for the rest of this year, you know, around 7 million. And then, Oh, I think 9.25 million next year, plus a $2.75 million buyout the year after that, if they don't pick up his option. So he's owed a lot of money, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I just think, look, the hot streaks are impressive and we have to acknowledge that and give him credit for that. You know, I mean, he does go on really impressive hot streaks and this is one of them, you know, since that home run in Oakland, uh, that three run home run to, to right field that, that basically won the game. I, I, I wrote it down here. He's hitting 297, 381 uh, with an 865 slugging. I mean, that's ridiculous, you know? Uh, so he goes on these streaks where he's one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, but can he sustain it over a full season? He hasn't shown that. And can he stay healthy over a full season? He hasn't really shown that either. So um, I would try to trade him, yes. Uh, but I just don't think – I mean, what team is going to look at that skill set and say, we're going to give you a, a you know premier minor league arm? Oh, you're not going to get know? that. But, but, yeah, but yeah. Would, would you take the next tier? So if they said, we'll give you an arm, it's not going to be uh, you know a top 15, but it's a guy that's got – a viable chance. And keep in mind too, you are clearing up any confusion and space for Kirilov then to play first base, which I also like. So it all depends on how much money they're willing to take on, you know, because the twins might say, we'll take, we'll take on more of his contract. If you give him a better, if you give us a better prospect. Uh, so if they have the green light from ownership to do that, I absolutely would move Sano uh, for, for an, a nice arm. Um, because I just think, I think, I mean, he's a one-dimensional player. I have been impressed with his defensive. He's better in the field than I thought. Um, And he executed a rundown properly, which is not, that's a very low bar, but the Twins have shown that they haven't been able to do that this year. Uh, And and he did execute that rundown well yesterday uh, in the Cleveland game. But um, I think he's decent in the field. He can play third base in a pinch. He's not a third baseman, in my opinion, but he can play there if he has to. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely try to move him if you can get something for him, but you're going to have to take on some of that contract because in my view, he's pretty significantly overpaid. And and that extension is not looking good. Even with this hot streak. And even if he ends the season with an, uh, an OPS around eight fifty, uh, that's too much. That's too much for a, a power hitting first baseman. I just think you can get, you can find a lot of those guys for less. Like, what do you guys think if Miguel Sano was a free agent, you know, if he was a free agent right now, let's pretend the season ended today uh, and he's a free agent. What do you think he would get on the open market? Mm, Dex? I feel like he, I really think he could actually get like a two, three year deal at about nine to 11 per. So I do think he could probably get 10. I think he can get 10. Yeah. I, I think his current deal he might get because there's always going to be a team that says, just wait. Mm-hmm. We'll unlock Miguel Sano. Because the flirtation will always be there as as long as the hot streaks are there, and the hot streaks are always there. Um, the reality is I think you've got no chance. So yeah. but but if I needed a power bat, I mean, especially in the right stadium, 
it would be intriguing to plug him in. I just think that we've seen enough to know now that there's no sustainable reliability available from him. And that's my problem because I think there's going to be better options. And it intrigues me to try and trade him while he still is proving he can play some third base because that does up the value potentially. Because once he is is just playing first base or too fat to play first base and is DHing, the value's basically gone then. Like he he could still hit home runs at that point. That's it. Um, I'm just I'm tired of this. I'm tired of going down this path, and he is not going to be David Ortiz. He is more he is yeah. more Oswaldo Arcia than our than Ortiz or Kenny Vargas was. That's him. Like like he's not he's a better player than v- Vargas. But we always said the same thing about him because he was a big guy. You know he might be the next Ortiz too. Well, guess what? I don't know where he's playing now, but it's not as far as I know in the big league. So. I am no longer afraid of the ghost of David Ortiz haunting us through Miguel Sano. No, I mean, he's nowhere near Ortiz. He's also, like you said, he's a far better player than Vargas or, or Arcia. Um, you know, if you go, if you, I, I, I buy your argument that maybe he's not overpaid, that he maybe could get that on the free agent market. So if you go by that, uh, then maybe some team would be willing to give you, uh, you know, something significant for him. Um it's hard to say. I just think he's he's unreliable. You know, yes. like you said, he, he goes on these hot streaks and he carries a team, and that's super valuable. Um, but you never know when it's going to end, and he's going to go in one of these prolonged droughts. It also it does seem like it seems like Minnesota is a bad climate for him, honestly. You know, because it, it seems like he struggles in cold weather. I th- I think he's they've spoken about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know he, he might thrive in an indoor uh, stadium or uh, you know. A, a team like the Braves or the Marlins that, that plays in warm weather. Um, I don't know. This is, this is going down a few different rabbit holes, but like the bottom line is I would look to move Sano, um, and I would look to move him during one of these hot streaks if possible. So, and, and you just, the injuries. So we have, you know, he gets injured a lot, you know, yeah. I mean, he hasn't played more than I believe 116 games in a season, yeah. you know, in 2018, they had to send him down because of his weight issues. Uh, he's back to like being he's, big too. He's big again. Yeah. And he does look bigger. He definitely looks bigger. It's funny if you look at video of him from his rookie year in 2015. He's like he's not skinny, obviously, um, but you know he's just he's just cut and and in shape and athletic. Yep. And he just he hasn't looked like that since. You know. So um, yeah, I I, I I would try to move him. I try to get an arm. I just don't. It's so hard to gauge what the market is for him. Yeah, it. I agree. So if you're so. If your goal as a Twins fan, or if you sign off on the trade, I can tell you this. You're going to be disappointed by the return. Like, you're not yes. going to know the guy that they get back. It's not going to be, you're not, you can't go to the prospect, MLB prospect website and find the guy in like the top probably 25 or something like that, or 50. Um, but I just... I'm tired of the experimenting and I don't think he's ever going to get to a place where he is judged to be, Oh my God, now we'll trade you this great, you know, great prospect. I think we're past that. And he just, and it just, I just think it's time for it to be done. <laughs> I, that's my best. That's my be- best explanation. I just think it's time. Um, there, there is always going to be, and I think this is organizationally too. It's the fans for sure. But Jake, I think it is from within the organization as long as Miguel is here there's always going to be this sort of curiosity or feeling of he might break out he might break out and he will for 
three weeks. He might for a month. He's done it before. Uh, but this notion of, okay, now he's fixed. I mean, how many times have we heard that uh, from the broadcasters, from everybody? Okay, now he's really gotten it now. He's really gotten it down. And every time it comes back to, and now he's two for his last 31 with 19 strikeouts. And I also think, and and new school, and I'm a new school baseball guy, but I have a little bit of old school baseball in me. I think his total lack of being able to adjust his approach based on the game situation is a flaw of his. You know, like I think I, I, there's nobody on the team I trust less with a runner on third and less than two outs late in the game to get that run home than Miguel Sano. Like he's just going to try to hit the ball as far as he can every time. And like, I do think there's value in that. Like it, when a guy like Arise comes up, in those situations, I feel really confident in that because he's a smart player and a smart hitter. He understands how to use the whole field and he understands the game situation. I don't think Sano thinks like that. And I could be totally wrong, but I think no, he just thinks try not. to hit it as hard as you can. Yeah. And with two strikes, you know, he doesn't shorten up or anything. And I, I it's like, you know, a, people say, oh, strikeouts don't matter, strikeouts don't matter, it's just an out. Well, there are times when putting the ball in play makes a big difference, especially if he's like extra inning games, you know, um, and these all these tight games they've been playing. Uh, and he just doesn't seem capable of that to me. So um, I think having an 850 OPS at the end of the year, like not all 850 OPSs are created equal. If You, you know what I mean? Like, nope. they're like you could have an 850 OPS, but be a guy who understands situational hitting and be far more valuable than a guy who has an 850 OPS and, you know, but doesn't get runs home, you know, in, in key situations. And people will probably take me to task for that and, and say that's ridiculous. But I do think there is no, it's not. some truth in that. I think there's value in understanding what's going on in the game and what your approach should be based on what's going on. If you're game. not a smart player, it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. If you If you go up there with no consistent approach, which he does not have one, that's a problem. Like, is that a problem in Legion ball? Probably not. High school ball? Probably not. But the pros, you got to have an approach. And and that's and, and that will always to the last day that Miguel Sano plays here. My biggest, my greatest disappointment will be when he came up, he had an approach and I don't know what happened. It was gone and it never came yeah. back. That 2015, I think he came up July 2nd in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. He took good at bats. He took walks, which he still does. He still does. But now it's sort of like at times he's hoping. Um, it seemed to me in 15 that he was a big man who actually had a thought process at the plate. And I don't know what if I, and, and I'm not being a smart ass here. I don't know if he forgot it. I don't know what happened. Um, he can still take walks now, but I do not think for one second in 2021 he has an approach. And that's a damn shame because I was teased and tantalized by the fact that I thought he did. Yep. So, I mean, we've talked about the 2015 season on this podcast a lot, that he came up and he was like a 10-year vet. Um, and that, yeah, it, we just haven't seen that since. You know, what we have seen is these hot streaks, and they are damn impressive. I mean, you have to give the guy credit. Like, they're super impressive. And it makes you think, God, if he could put this together for a whole season, yeah. he would be an MVP candidate. But obviously that's that hasn't happened. And I don't see that happening. You know, uh, he just is too prone to slumps. He doesn't make contact enough and he has an injury history.
So he, he is he is who he is at this point. The Meadows at Mystic Lake has modified its golf policies to follow the COVID-19 public health recommendations and welcomes you to play this award-winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is a full-service golfing destination enhanced by nearby food and entertainment, including the Meadows Bar and Grill and Mystic Lake Casino Hotel. It's never too early to book a tee time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community. I'm not done yet. Reckless speculation. This is late breaking and was mentioned by our friend Patrick Royce on Unchained, but it cannot go undiscussed on this show. Talking Twins, Jake DePew. Patrick on Unchained, which you can find where, Dex? Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. Thank you very much. Patrick on Unchained brought up the fact that he thinks the Twins very well might trade if they get the proper return. Jose Barrios and Taylor Rogers. Because, and his point is right. Andrelton Simmons ain't getting you much back. No. Nelson Cruz probably ain't getting you what you think. I'm not saying he won't get you something, but it's an expiring contract. Um, Jose Barrios could land you a ton. Your thoughts on the potential of trading one or both of those guys. And and to be fair, J.P. Morosi did tweet last week what was speculative from him, but looked like he was a little bit plugged in, that he wouldn't be surprised if the Blue Jays were going to pursue Jose Barrios. And by the way, Mark Feinstein just wrote a piece on LB.com saying the Twins could also be sellers if this continues to go down this path. So th- there is plenty of smoke starting to brew from wait, not, wait, just, no, not just reckless not speculation. Just, oh, oh, not just reckless, reckless speculation. speculation. There it is. There's some people that are talking. Thank you, Dex. Did, did Morosi tweet that? I, I never saw anything yep. on Oh, and Declan retweeted it as a graphic, and I, we got a I know. lot of heat here I at know. the good old Scory North. Oh, I know. I saw it all. Um, so I think... Started fighting people. <laughs> it was the whole thing. It wasn't me. It was it's the whole thing. Um, it was, we, we don't need to go down that path. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, I but mean, yeah, I, your, your thoughts. I, well, just to be clear, which one would quick, you think? Yep. So I, I, I don't think a guy like Morosi would just tweet that out of the blue. I mean, he's a super plugged in guy. Yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, Barrios, I think if you're, if you're not going to sign him to an extension, then yes, absolutely. You should trade him. Uh, he would get you a lot more obviously now uh, than he would at the deadline in 2022. If you were to trade him, then you also have to, t- I, I still don't understand. I need to do more research into this, but I don't understand what happens to players if there's no season next year. Cause that has, that has an enormous, you know, that is an enormous influence on how you look at these guys. Like, do they do all the guys who have one year left on their deals? Would they become free agents if there was no year? That probably gets negotiated through, through the settlement, right? Yeah, so I mean, I, I, that's just a huge factor that I don't. That's a really good question. I don't know how how was that. So what what happened to guys in '94? But they had played part of that season, so th- their contracts ran. It's a good question. Right? Don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I, but we need to know the answer to that before we can totally accurately assess these guys' values. But sure. Um, I would. I, I if you're not going to extend Barrios, I would probably trade him. But the thing is, if you view yourself as a contender in 2022 it doesn't make a ton of sense, you know, because well, I mean, what contract, because, what, what would you sign him to? Cause I, I think that becomes the key question. Cause if he says, no, you're going to reach a point of, we're just not going to pay you that. And then you might as well trade him. I would give Jose Barrios somewhere in the neighborhood of 
five years, 100 to 120 million. I'd have to think more about it, but that's, that's, I would give him a hundred million plus. I would, because he's, is he an ace? No, but he's an incredibly consistent pitcher. I mean, his ERA is between three, 3.5 and four every single year. There's a lot of value in that. I mean, those guys, you know, there aren't a ton of those guys around the league. So yeah, I, I would try to extend it, but if he wants to go to free agency and see if some team, you know, like the Mets or whoever will, will overpay him, um, then yeah, I'd probably trade him. I probably would. Um, but, but it is kind of punting on 2022, unless you get major league assets, you know, guys who are ready to to compete at the big league level right now or next year in return, you know, and I don't know that the twins are willing to, to do that. I I think they probably view this more as retool, not rebuild. If you trade Barrios and you trade Taylor Rogers, then you're basically saying we're starting a three to five year rebuild. Could you quietly go to Barrios right now or his people and say, What's it going to take? And if they come back and say, one, you can't afford it, or or he he wants to explore the market. Because the one thing I'm thinking of to what you had said, Jake, to Pew for the return, is if you trade him before the deadline this year, your return is going to be pretty substantial because there's time left on the contract then. And you actually might get some pieces that can make you or help you be competitive in 2022. To what you're saying is if you get into July of 2022, you're going to get a nice return, but it's not going to be the same. So I wonder if you could go back to them or potentially just have continuing discussions about what what that's going to take. Because to hit the reset for 2022, if there's baseball, which is a very big question that we've talked about a ton, um, I feel like you would put yourself in a decent position to get guys back that might, or a guy back that you could plug in and would help you almost immediately as opposed to a potential rental. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to get back a starting pitcher who's under team control because otherwise what's the point? I mean, you wouldn't trade Barrios for another guy whose contract is up in a year or two. Right. I mean, that that's just, uh, you just break even. So uh, yeah. I mean, if you could get a young pitcher, uh, from a team like the Marlins, who's under team control for four or five years, uh, and you can plug right into the rotation and, and try to develop them into an ace or you know a strong number two, then yeah, I, I would probably do that. But I, I think Barrios, we we like to rip him because he's not a true ace, but we also have to look at him in the larger context of the game. I mean, he's a very good pitcher, you know, uh, and and those guys, <laughs> I mean, they haven't been able to develop any of them, you know. Amen, brother. So, so, so and we've talked about so that. True. Their, their lack of development. And I know that you tweeted out that uh, Provis and Corey Provis and Chris Atterbury were, were talking about that on the air, which I appreciate. It was I great. Think. Yeah. Uh, um, because that needs to be talked about more. Um, I'm sure they're avid listeners of the talking twins uh, <laughs> podcast where we were talking about that the last couple of weeks, but they haven't developed anybody. So um, I, I think I would have to get a pretty big return. I would certainly consider trading Brios and Rogers, but I'd, I'd have to get a return with MLB parts you know people that you can plug right in again unless unless you're just saying we're going to do a five-year royals tigers type rebuild i'm with you i don't see that no way i don't either because i I think these i think these guys whole strategy and you might disagree but i think their whole strategy is to never is to not really ever go all in but be consistently competitive year after year that's the viking strategy that's the same exact strategy the vikings use Seems like that's basically every team in this market strategy, except I guess maybe the Timberwolves. But um, yeah, I think that's their whole philosophy um, and they might refute that. But 
so if, if that's their philosophy, then they're not going to do a, a big rebuild. And so if that's the case, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't trade Barrios again unless you can get a controllable starting pitcher who's at the big league level. So if I get, gave you the potential option between Rodgers and Barrios, which one do you trade? I mean, it, it all depends on – it's so hard to say. It all depends on the return. But I guess I would trade Rodgers because starting pitching is way more valuable. Because your bullpen right now has nothing else as far as I'm concerned that a contending team – would go near, like Colome. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. he's a mess. That but you know Colome's back. He's he's been in low leverage situations. Look at him. You put him in in Cleveland. He grooves that pitch to what Caesar Hernandez, right? Um, Robles is outing by outing. You have no idea. We talked about Duffy, like that bullpen. I I would say this in in the obituary of the 2021 Twins. Like, if I had to start to list what went wrong, I think the bullpen is first, and I think Colome is first, because they clearly had no idea. I mean, he's not just sort of bad. When he's been important, he's been awful, unusably bad. And, and I mean, that is that from day one just bit them in the butt and has continued to do so every time they try and trot him out there where he's actually important. Yep. And, and, you know, there were signs that regression was coming, um, pretty clear signs. And you know, I thought it was a fine signing at the time. I thought he would be a guy that was in the mix and could give you good innings. Um, but there were signs. I mean, his strikeout rate is low. His walk rate was pretty high last year. Uh, and he seemed like I tweeted with, um, I don't know if you guys follow, uh, uh, mighty Flynn, I think uh, on Twitter, he's a big White Sox fan. He lives in Minneapolis. Uh, he watches like every White Sox game. And I said, well, what, he's a good baseball mind. I said, what were your impressions of Colome with the White Sox? And he said that his luck was about to run out, you know? Um, so it just seemed like it, pretty clear regression was coming. I don't think anybody could have anticipated this, but this was their big bullpen signing. You know, this was the yes. big name that they gave a lot of money to. Yeah. And that's on the front office completely. You know, and Robles is on the front office too. I mean, he's now one of their high leverage guys. Um, and there was really nothing to indicate, you know, he has good velo, but that's it. You know, his control is all over the place. His ERA was like eight or nine last year. Uh, so yeah. But as far as the question about trades, you're, I don't think you're going to get much of anything for either of those guys. You get maybe a, a low A sort of project type of arm, like a Dakota Chalmers type, um, who they got. Uh, in one of those 2018 trades, I believe. But, like, um, you're not going to get anything that's anywhere, you know, close to the big leagues. So um, would I trade Rodgers? Yeah, if the return is right, I would, because he only has one year left. But uh, it it's a tough decision, man. Because, again, it all depends on what you think of 2022 and if there's going to be a season in 2022. Yeah, the bullpen can, in my opinion, the bullpen needs – reconstruction now unfortunately like reconstruction so i i would probably be more apt if i could find a team that was in need of bullpen help which all contenders truly are to trade rogers than barrios because i am with you on barrios i would look to try to sign him like you've developed to your point you've developed so little pitching do you really want to get rid of of a guy who is consistently Consistently proves because he he can be maddening at times, and I I get he's never going to reach the peak that we thought. Like we thought, true ace, he's not going to. But do you really want to take him out of the equation when you consider how so far to date, little pitching these guys who are by the way known for pitching have developed 
That makes me really nervous. And here's my other problem. Until we start to see these kids that they drafted it and traded for, Jake, come up, we don't have any evidence that a that a staff front office wise that was known for developing pitching can identify it. Like we need to see that. We still haven't. So like if you mm-hmm. tell me we're trading Barrios, but we're gonna get this guy back and we're gonna get that guy back, and, and then we've got um, you know, this slew of kids that are coming up, we have to see them first. Like there's no Cleveland, oh my God, you brought those three guys up and they were all great, right? We don't know that. So nope. so it makes me very nervous uh to take what is, you know, clearly a key pillar of your starting rotation and be like, oh, we'll replace him or we'll get a guy to replace him. I don't trust you. I mean, you folks in the last two years have identified Homer Bailey and Rich Hill and Shoemaker. Um you know, and Jay Happ. Uh, and that, that's been your answer. So until we and, see the, the young guys actually step in there, I have real reservations about, you know, being okay signing off on a burrito streak. And they got rid of Annabelle Sanchez, Waskari Noah, Nick Anderson. Uh, so there have been a lot of misses on the pitching side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't trust them on that front yet. I, I trusted them kind of implicitly when they first took over because it seemed like Falvey's results were so impressive in Cleveland. Um, and it's just, it's unclear how big of an influence he had on that. I mean, you know, they continue to churn out these arms, um, but it just hasn't happened. It, that's the bottom line. It has not happened. And until, like you said, until they prove otherwise, we have to assume that we're not going to see, you know, a, a lot of arms come up and really be productive at the major league level. Now, if, if that happens over the next two years, I will absolutely change my tune and uh, a, and give them credit for that. But the bottom line is nobody, nobody on the starting side has come up and contributed uh, on their watch. You know, it, it's a it's a major it's their biggest flaw for sure. Yeah, because they're known for it. Like the, yeah, that was supposedly yeah. the marquee on the marquee. It said coming soon, Derek Falvey, who develops pitching. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I, I still think they've done a good job overall. And to be fair, they've now owned it. You know, we, I was, you know, screaming in the last podcast, you know, they need to own this. They need to talk to the media. You know, Falvey went on the radio uh, yesterday with Provis um, and, and he did own it. And he talked about how massively disappointing this was. And, um, you know, alluded to the fact that they're going to be sellers. He didn't say that, but he kind of hinted at it. So um, they're at least owning it. But the bottom line is we need to see more results on the pitching side. Yep. Last thing for you. Um, Twofold point. One is I've become incredibly concerned about Jorge Polanco because this surgically repaired ankle every year now is becoming a problem. So it's chronic at this point, which is never a good thing. Um, but to part of what you sent me in our prep notes as well, what is it going to take for us, especially in what is becoming a lost year to see Nick Gordon? Because Nick Gordon to me is like, it's decision time. He's not a young guy now. It it is time to say he can play and help us or he really can't play. And that's a first round pick bust. Um, but so my concern about Polanco now again has become Buxton like high as far as this is a real problem. It continues to be, be a problem. And it ain't like he plays a position where you, you don't have to rely on your legs and ankle a lot. And two is what the hell do you think they're doing? Cause the Gordon thing to me now has become baffling. It's almost like they don't want to play him, but when they do play him, 
he does some things that I think can contribute. So I, I, I want to see Nick Gordon play every day. Uh, and, and the Polanco injury, if they end up ILing him, um, is a perfect opportunity for that. He's up now. They, they called him up. I, I just don't understand this calling him up and not playing him. And, and I know it's been a small sample size. He's been up for like 10 days and he's played one game or whatever. But like, let, let's see what he can do. He's 25. He's hitting almost 400 at AAA, small sample size again. But he's hit. He's hit all through the minors. Um, so let, let's see it. He's about to enter his prime. He was the number five or six overall pick. Like, he should play every day now, you know. And once they get rid of Andrelton Simmons, and I'm sure they're looking to move him um, as quickly as they can, then that'll open up a, a permanent spot for him. But I, I still think, you know, we we pretty much wrote off Gordon because he didn't progress as we thought he would once he got to the upper levels. Right. Uh, but he had a lot of health issues, and it seems like he's fixed some of those. Yeah. So he could still be a guy. You know, he's he's 25. He could still be a guy for the next five years for this team. Um so, yeah, let's see what he can do. As far as the Polanco injury, it's definitely concerning. I mean, it's super concerning. He's had this ankle now for – this is his third year with it. Uh, and Rocco did not sound super optimistic. And when Rocco doesn't sound super optimistic about an injury, you Dr. know that Rock. there's a chance it's yep. – <laughs> Exactly. You know, you, you know there's a chance it's uh, – it, it might be something, you know, significant. So uh, it sapped him of his power last year. Uh, and if that happens again this year, it's a big problem because his, you know, he's a bat first uh, middle infielder. You know, Absolutely. he needs to hit for power and, and extra bases, uh, extra base hits. So. All right, sir. Good stuff. Wait, 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 wait. Dex, do you, got, do you have my tweet? Oh, do I have, have my tweet. tweet? Yep, I oh, do. go ahead. We got We got to show this. So just a little context. Uh, a little old <laughs> tweets exposed, which we do every Thursday on Mac and Joe. We're doing this early. <laughs> I, t- I tweeted this when Kyle Garlick was up in the 10th inning uh, of the game against, Cle- <laughs> game against Cleveland. Uh, they had runners at first and second, nobody out in the 10th. And I said they should bunt with Garlick. Um, and two pitches later, he had a three-run home run about 450 <laughs> feet to the opposite field. Uh, so I just I, I wanted to to give myself a little shout out there. Hey, that was that was one of my all time best tweets. We we expose ourselves every Thursday uh, in in the right ways. By the way, on old tweets exposed. <laughs> Be I know. Um, so I know. And I'm usually the clubhouse leader, Jake, because uh, I, and I th- I know you're a few years older than I am, but I'm the, obviously very much younger than Mackie and Judd, and I have a lot of 2011, 2013. <laughs> Twins yeah. optimism takes because I wasn't fully understanding of uh, of of being a sports fan then. So th- th- this one yeah. it makes me feel a lot better. I feel a lot better after seeing something like this. You should, you should. But you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna rip everybody else, we got to rip ourselves sometimes That's too. Whole, That's uh, why. I, you know, and I, I'm not sure that, I don't that think your that strategy was wrong else, though. Yeah. I'm not sure that you were wrong. So I was gonna say. Well, at the t- I don't think the other people uh, like to rip themselves, so I don't even know if they even yeah, do that. Probably that true. Matter, so. That's definitely true. Yeah, at the time, I was like, you know, manufacture a run. But uh, good for Garlic. He got the big home run. All right. I will talk to you next Monday, sir. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.